Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. And when I say trust, sometimes people go, well, what if I don't know what to do? What if I don't have the answers? What if, and it's not trust that you know what to do or have the answers. It's trust that this will serve a purpose. It's trust that all things work for good. It's trust that you will get to the other side some way, somehow. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the No More Perfect podcast. So we talk here in No More Perfect land about the marriage relationship, the parenting relationships, and even friendships and extended family relationships. However, we've never really had an episode that talks about our relationship with ourselves. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to explore what it means to trust ourselves and become who God designed us to be. That's another way at looking at being a confident woman. So for women, confidence is often associated with doing it all and doing it all perfectly. Like when I earn that promotion or lose 10 pounds or meet the person of my dreams, then I'll feel confident. We've been bombarded with messaging that tells us to be confident, but there's little information out there on how to get there. And my guest today is changing that. Nicole Khalil is a speaker, leadership strategist, and coach who specializes in helping women build internal trust and reclaim confidence. She believes this is a skill built from the inside out as we learn how to trust ourselves and become who we're meant to be. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Nicole. Thank you, Jill. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that you and I really have in common is that we really want women, um, and my audience understands this language, but we want women to stop the perfection infection. And I like to say that the perfection infection is having unrealistic expectations of ourselves and we unfairly compare ourselves to others. And you are passionate about that as well. Talk about that. Yeah. So I think perfectionism is the plague that's, you know, impacted us all, especially as women. And it is this message that we're supposed to have it all, be it all, do it all, look good while doing it and somehow make it look effortless. And I know that um, the men in our lives struggle with a version of perfectionism, but it's typically a little bit more compartmentalized. It it, it usually plays out more in career success, um, strength, uh, those areas. Whereas with women, I think it's literally permeated every aspect of our being. And, um, it's problematic because it's unachievable. It's unattainable. And I think the second part of it, that's really impacting us, especially as women is, is what happens after we, we do it, after we compare ourselves, after we hold ourselves to perfectionist expectations and then inevitably fall short because there's no other available option. The second part is we beat ourselves up. We mm-hmm. say really awful things to ourselves about ourselves in our own mind. And um, we interact with those things that we're saying in our, in our heads as if it's truth, as, as if it's fact. And um, I think that that's really problematic uh, for us as we operate in our lives and in our worlds and in our relationships. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. We're our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And we have to stop this. And really, that's what your mission is, is your mission is to help women to stop being their own worst enemy. And the more, you know, as I was thinking about uh, our, our conversation today, and even, you know, preparing for how to introduce it to the audience, I realized, gosh, we don't talk enough about the relationship that we have with ourselves. We just, yeah. it's just not a common, we think of the word relationship as with other people, but we do have a relationship with ourselves. And for some of us, it's a toxic relationship. Absolutely. And I, w- I would argue that the relationship we have with ourselves has got to be one of the most important. Um, yes. And, and I know your listeners would, would, say that their relationship with God is first and foremost. And and so the way that I would um, position that is the relationship with ourselves is the relationship with the God that is inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, there's a meme out there that I love that says we spend the bulk of our lives inside of our own minds. We might as well make it a nice place to be. And <laughs> I love that. I I think that, you know, you, you said, we don't build the relationship with ourselves enough. I think part of the problem is we don't even know ourselves enough. We aren't intimately and deeply connected to our unique abilities, our strengths, our superpowers, our talents, our God-given gifts. Um, We spend so much time focused on everyone else and how to support and, and, and help the people around us and the people that we love that we have stopped even being aware of who we are and, and who we aren't. Also, what's not meant for us, what who we're not meant for. Um, yeah. And really the opportunity to break, embrace all of that, to embrace all of ourselves, I think would make such a big difference in, in the relationship with ourselves, in our relationship with God, and also in our relationships with others. Yes, you're exactly right. And so a big part of it is really knowing ourselves well, um, kind of introducing me to me. Yeah. <laughs> which which sounds crazy, but you know, I as I was doing some of the exercises, um, so Nicole has a book out. It's called Validation is for Parking, How Women Can Beat the Confidence Con. And uh as I was reading your book to prepare for this, um, you know, I I did some of the exercises um mentally um and was like, gosh, this is really good. Just, I mean, I feel like I know myself well, and um, I have the benefit. I think um, uh, I'm, I'm farther down the road age wise than you are, Nicole. So I have the benefit that um, I think that you do get to a certain age and you begin to let what people think um, drive you as much. But um, there are places that I think we all can grow in self awareness. And you you really, that's what you do as a coach, um, as you're working with uh, leaders and women, you're helping them to really get to know themselves. And then once they get to know themselves, you're helping them to accept themselves. So uh, give us the definition of what confidence is from your perspective. Yeah. From my perspective, confidence is when you know who you are, own who you're not, and choose to embrace all of it. And if that is a little bit complex to remember, I, I would simplify it even further as to say, confidence is when you trust yourself firmly and boldly. If you look to the etymology, the root of the word confidence and how it translates into different languages and how it's evolved, um, confidence is first and foremost about trust. The words faith or belief often come up when associated with confidence as well. And so it's trusting ourselves, which I find is much easier to do when everything's going according to plan, when you're winning, when you're getting the results and when you have perfectly behaved children, um, (laughs) then it's super easy, right? And I I think the value is trusting ourselves even when things are hard or the evidence hasn't shown up yet. And that's to me, that element of faith that comes in. Um, But that's my definition of confidence and, and, and the root of the word, which I think might be surprising to some people because we're getting a lot of mixed and false 
information about what confidence is. It's become associated with success, happiness, feeling good, looking mm. good. And um, those things are wonderful things. There's not any, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's not confidence. Right, right. Yeah. And one of the things you, you say is that your book is a love story wrapped in a business book. Why, why do you say that? <laughs> so it started out with the intention of being a business book. I, um, it was important to me. I think so many working women are learning how to be professional, learning how to be successful, learning how to work from the masculine perspective. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with the masculine perspective. I just think the opportunity is for it to be balanced with the feminine. And especially for us as women, when we're in the workforce, it's really hard if the only learning we're getting, the only teaching and training is from that masculine perspective. 92% mm -hmm. of business books are written by men. Most of our leaders and mentors are men. And so you know, when I started on this venture, it was, it was a business book written by women for women. Yeah. And in writing, it just evolved. It took on a life of its own. It started going into topics and areas that I hadn't originally intended. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were struggling with what category to put it in. Is this yeah. a business book still? Is this a self-help or development book? What What is it? And so yeah. I jokingly said, it's a love story wrapped in a business book. And it stuck. So that's what we're going with. <laughs> yeah. And it's a love story for you to fall in love with yourself. Exactly right. That's so unique, Nicole. That is so unique for, and that's why I, I'm like this, just, you know, the topic is something that I don't know that I personally have ever done a lot of digging into. And that's why I think that this conversation is so very important. So I really want to kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of where you take women um, and help them to begin the process of falling in love with themselves. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dig into that. You say that there are five. Um, well, let's let's just back up for a minute. Let's let's start with what do you feel like is one of the very first steps that women need to take as they begin to be confidence builders in themselves as they begin to fall in love with themselves. Yeah. So the first step. Uh, in my opinion of anything is to understand that confidence is built internally and won't come to us from anything external. So our first step is to do things that build trust within ourselves. And, and you, you might go, okay, where do I start with that? Well, there are a few things that I think are generally true as it relates to building trust. If you think about building trust with another person or them building trust with you, there's just certain things that we all would say are important. Things like keeping our commitments. That'd be a really good place to start. When we commit to something, following through, yes, the commitments we make to others, which as women, we tend to be a little bit better at, but also the commitments we make to ourselves. So, you know, I, again, I don't want to go into perfectionism. Nobody keeps 100% of their commitments 100% of the time. We, we have the opportunity to give ourselves grace along the way, but really to be conscious of, when we make a commitment to follow through, because when we don't, we chip away the trust that we have in ourselves, in our own word. Um, and then also, I think the opportunity as women is to not overcommit. We have a tendency to say yes when we mean maybe, or yes when we definitely meant no, but we felt you know either the pressure or wanted to please or not want, wanting to disappoint. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to another trust building um, exercise is, is communicating boundaries, first having boundaries and then communicating them. Um, there are so many other things, speaking up, standing up for yourself, uh, you know, saying what you mean, meaning what you say, uh, being your own hype person. I mean, we, we could go on, but I, I would invite you if, if you mm -hmm. want to start someplace to think about the ways that you build trust with others and the ways that people build trust with you and then turn that inward and begin to practice that with yourself for yourself. Yeah. You know, I had a situation a few weeks ago and um, as I 
have come to reflect upon it, I realized it was a trust building. I was I was honoring my own personal boundary. So I was on a girl's trip. <clears throat> And um, I go away with my girlfriends once every five years and we do a week long trip. And, and as we were going into the trip, um, you know, these guys love, I mean, they, they thoroughly love having um, a cocktail at dinner or whatever. And, um, and sometimes I have in the past. um, But as I went into the trip, I went, Jill, you don't even like alcohol. Like, used to really don't enjoy it. You know, um, I enjoy a a glass of Moscato or something like that, where it's, you know, it's a sweet drink. If I'm going to have anything, it's going to be super sweet anyway. And then I thought to myself, you can be true to yourself on this vacation. You can be true to yourself. You don't have to feel that, that just because everybody else is, you can choose not to. And, um, I mean, I literally did that self-talk going into it. And that's what you're talking about here, Nicole. It's an incredible example because in this, you know, in this example, you knew you didn't want to. So the only reason you would have would have been for some external, right? Like uh, to feel like I was fitting in or because everybody's like, oh, come on or whatever. Right. Right. And uh, and trusting ourselves, especially in this example, one of the things we find is there are moments of discomfort. There are moments of fear and doubt. There are moments of what are other people going to think? And and all, all of these things. Now, I, I imagine you all are very close friends. And so, you know, they're going to love you no matter what. And I'm sure it was still felt a little risky. I'm sure it still felt a little uncomfortable. And these are the moments where or true, deep, lasting trust and confidence get built. Um, so it's an incredible example. Yeah, yeah. And you're exactly right, Nicole. There was a moment um, that even, you know, that I think it was our last night there and everybody was having, I don't even remember what, margaritas or something. And and one of the gals said, oh, it's vacation. You're not even going to for vacation? And I was like, no, because I don't enjoy it. Right. You know, so I just, um, I didn't feel like I had to, you know, give a big long one, but I was like, no, this is me. And I actually just don't like it. (laughs) That would be like making me eat nuts in brownies. I hate nuts in brownies. And so, (laughs) and, um, you know, but some things are easier to kind of draw lines on than others. So yeah, no, I think that that's so very helpful. Okay. So we start by recognizing kind of our likes, our dislikes, our places that maybe we do want to set some boundaries. We become familiar with that. Um, what would be um, a next step? Yeah. So I identify five confidence builders. The first one we just talked about, which is building trust internally. It's all the things that that we can do to begin to trust ourselves again. Um, and, 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 and on that note, I want to say that I think a lot of us have confidence is something we either have or we don't have, or we were born with or born without. Um, I think it's important to recognize that wherever your relationship is currently with confidence, you have the opportunity to grow and build it. And it is a choice you can make anytime Mm -hmm. you want. Yeah. So another confidence builder is action. Action builds confidence. You can't hope think or fingers and toes cross your way into confidence. Now, somebody might go, well, what about prayer? I would submit to you that prayer is action. action. Absolutely. Okay, great. I'm glad we agree. Oh, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, well, I know action builds confidence, little risks built up over time, like you just talked about, or um, getting one foot in front of the other towards what matters, one conversation at a time, whatever it is, that feels maybe a little uncomfortable, a little scary, putting one foot in front of the other, again, towards what matters. I'm not suggesting action for the action's sake. Yeah. If there's something you want or something that is calling to you or that feels right, getting into action towards that will certainly build confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that's really surprising to most people is failure. Uh, mm. I know I use the word failure because it has a charge but you could replace it with fear, doubt, making mistakes, getting messy, loss, 
any of those things will serve to build confidence if you choose it, if you let it. And, and it goes back to this because trusting yourself in those harder times, in those harder mo- moments is much more challenging and therefore much more impactful. But it's easy to trust. It's almost not trust when everything's working. Yes. Choosing to trust. And, 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 and when I say trust, sometimes people go, well, what if I don't know what to do? What if I don't have the answers? What if, and it's not trust that you know what to do or have the answers. It's trust that this will serve a purpose. It's trust that all things work for good. It's trust that you will get to the other side some way, somehow. It's trust that this is a lesson, opportunity, a gift, whatever you want to see it, even if it doesn't feel that way in the moment. Right. So I'm just going to pause. Those are, you know, three of the five. Any, Mm -hmm. any thoughts, questions? Yeah. No, no. I think that you're, you're on the right track here and it's just giving us little baby steps that we can take towards confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the fourth confidence builder is choosing confidence. I mentioned this already, but I just wanted to make the distinction from confidence being a feeling versus a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, we hear the expression in business a lot, fake it till you make it. I would replace that with choose it until you become it. Uh, Choose to trust yourself minute by minute, second by second, if needed day by day. And the feeling will catch up eventually, but so many of us have it the opposite way. It's either I feel confident and then I'll do it or I don't. And I'll wait until the feeling arrives And we're limiting so many of our opportunities, especially the one with building trust within ourselves, if we do it that way. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I would agree. And um, then the last one is giving yourself grace on the journey. Understanding first and foremost that confidence building will only ever always be a journey. Nobody arrives at confidence, plants a flag, and is like, I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> that would be amazing, right? If somebody figures that out, let me know. But that is not at all the experience. Yeah. And so understanding that it's a journey and because it's a journey and it's going to require us to give ourselves grace, it's going to require us to speak to ourselves in the same way we would somebody that we love to, um, and, and by that, I don't mean not challenging ourselves or not you know, saying things to ourselves that we may not want to hear, Mm -hmm. but the way in which we do it in Mm -hmm. a loving, kind way, like we would to our spouse or our child or our best friend. Yes. Yes. We would never say the things that we say to ourselves to someone else verbally. Never. Never. Can you imagine? Mm -mm. Oh, yeah. No, we speak so unkindly. Most of us speak so unkindly to ourselves and that is not, um, you know, that it, it's not God honoring. Um, it's like you would never, you would dishonor someone by speaking to them the way that you um, are speaking to yourself. And so you're not honoring um, even the one who created you. So yeah, no, so important. So one of the things I love, you have a little, um, it's a little table in the the book um, that you have the confidence derailers that match up to the confidence builders. And you just went through the confidence builders. Um, but let's go back and like uh, kind of match them up for a moment because um, you say that a confidence derailer is perfectionism. So that's going to derail your confidence because you can never, ever make that happen. I mean, yeah, it's unachievable. So you're saying you say that the best way to build confidence when you deal with perfectionism is actually failure, which you were just talking about. Yeah, it's getting messy. It's, you know, accepting imperfections and and not only accepting them, but celebrating them, honoring them. yeah, yeah. It, it's unfortunate because I know that's what I call myself a recovering perfectionist. That's what perfectionists don't want to hear, right? That they need to get messy and go make mistakes. But that is uh, the antidote to perfectionism as it relates to confidence building. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I think as also a recovering perfectionist, um, 
I often have to say to myself, good is good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, it's like, no. And, and that will be the way that I kind of preach it to myself. It's good enough. It's good enough. It's good enough. And so the more that I, uh, that, that really helps me to break out of um, that desire to hit perfection. Yeah. And there's so many times where we're holding ourselves to a standard where it really doesn't matter. Like I think about how many times I would proofread internal emails that nobody cared about and probably weren't reading. And I'm like spending time making sure it's perfectly grammatically correct. And, you know, did I do too many exclamation points? Probably I need to go (laughs) like the things that we do to ourselves when we hold ourselves to that perfectionist standard especially when it doesn't matter. When is good enough? Good enough. Yeah. And, you know, I think another thing that we have to learn to do is sometimes even laugh at our Mm -hmm. mistakes. That's a part of it. I had a situation. So I just released a course um, a week ago and, um, and I had proofread the page about the course a million times. I'd had other people proofread it. It was a course called Empty. It was the Empty Nest Full Life course for empty nest moms. And I <laughs> I get a text on the day that the course relieves, re- or, uh, releases. I get an email actually from my friend, Jill. And um, she says, hey, oh, I know what the subject was. Let's see. What did it say? How did she say it? Um, unrequested proofreading. <laughs> or something like that. So good. Yep. I know. And then she said, Hey, I saw that your course came out and I was looking at it. And there's two places that you might want to fix on the on the course page. She said, um, I'm sure you've just read over them and you didn't see them, but in two places it says that you need the empty life full nest <laughs> course. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, Nicole, I laughed so hard. I mean, yeah. at first I was like, oh my gosh, no. And then I got to thinking about it and I was laughing so hard. And I even went on my Instagram and Facebook stories and told the story because I think that that's also a part of breaking the perfection infection is we need to talk about our failures. Yeah. The thing that's problematic about, well, lots of things, but one of the other things that's problematic about perfectionism is it um, creates distance in relationship. You cannot yes. be intimate or trust or some or, or or be vulnerable with somebody who is a perfectionist because they don't allow any space for any mess. And you send the message, whether it's consciously or subconsciously to everyone around you that they need to live up to that unachievable standard and they won't come to you. They won't communicate with you. They won't show you the flaws and the mistakes and and it creates separation and distance. It's problematic in in all of our relationships, personal and professional. Um, And I think it's an unintended consequence. So many of us aren't thinking of that. We're just trying to look the part, right? Right. Um, But it's not just damaging to ourselves, but the people around us and the relationships, the deep, intimate relationships we want to have. Yep. Yep, exactly. So you say also that a conference derailer is head trash and the confidence builder is giving yourself grace on the journey. So what is head trash? You talked about it earlier, but we didn't use that label. Right. So uh, head trash is that mean voice that we all have inside our, our minds. I often say perfectionism, perfectionism is the enemy of confidence. Head trash is the bully of confidence. Uh, so yeah. head trash, you, you've probably heard it called negative thoughts or your inner critic. There are lots of terms for it. I call it head trash because I want it to sound as disgusting as it actually is. Like it's gross, right? You know, and it needs to be thrown out and and, and tossed away, never to be seen or thought of again. We don't think about our trash after we throw it away. Um, and, and my hope is that we begin to practice doing the same thing with our head trash, discarding it, understanding that some of it might we want might want to recycle. Some of it might be compost, but there's certainly a lot of it that is just trash and needs to be thrown away, never to be seen or thought of again. Yeah. There's another saying that I love that says you can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, 
but you can prevent it from building a nest in your hair. And that's what I think of when I think of head trash or negative thoughts. You can't prevent it from flying into your brain. At least I haven't figured out how to, but you can prevent it from taking up space and festering and and living inside your mind by, by sorting it and replacing it with something more productive, more empowered, something you actually would say to somebody that you love, which is why giving grace is the antidote. Yeah, it sure is. And I I also think it's replacing it, re- replacing those thoughts um, with truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in our coaching, whether we're doing individual coaching or couples coaching, because we do a lot of marriage coaching, one of the exercises that we do with most of the couples that we coach with or the individuals is examine their head trash. We're like we begin the, po- we begin saying, when you talk to yourself, what do you say? Mm-hmm. Or even as we have conversations and we, we always, especially if we're working with somebody in person, we use these great big, huge um, post-it notes that are like poster size. And so we've got them up and, and, you know, if we were working with you, we would say Nicole's messages and we're, we're identifying what those are and listing them out so that people can see the trash that's in there. And I would imagine it's pretty shocking to people too. Like once it's all on paper, you're like, Whoa, that's not healthy. Right. Like, right. But we, without the process that you offer to examine it in that way, we're just letting this run rampant in our minds and we're interacting with that as if it's truth, which is a little scary. Yes, exactly. And, and then we're getting results, uh, in the relationship or in life or whatever, we're getting results that we don't want. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is a reason that, um, I believe that, you know, in the Bible that God says that we're to take our thoughts captive and we're to take them captive because they often do not lead us in a right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, create what we believe. Yes, we or do. At the very least we notice what we believe and then we reinforce and reinforce. It's sort of that, you know, like when you, you decide to buy a certain car, you see it everywhere. If you have a thought or a belief about yourself, you're going to begin to collect evidence of that thought or belief, even in the face of evidence that's to the contrary. It's just what we hone in on. It's what we notice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things we talk about is, you know, what you think determines what you feel, and then that determines what you believe, and then that determines what you do, and then that determines the results that you get. And so, you know, a lot of times when we're working with a couple or an individual, it's like, okay, we could talk about the behavioral changes you could make. But if we don't talk about the thoughts that are informing the behavior, you're going to end up, that's going to be short-lived. Mm-hmm you're going to end up in the same place down the road because you're not digging into what is informing your actions. And so, yeah, I'm a, I am a firm believer in that. Okay. You say that a confidence derailer is overthinking, but a confidence builder is action. That the, the way that we stop overthinking is action. And you talked about action earlier. Talk for a moment about overthinking. Yeah. Overthinking. And I know I want to be clear that there's not a problem with thinking. We should all do more of that. It's the over part that becomes (laughs) problematic, right? And so the way we know we're overthinking is because overthinking leads to inaction. If you're Mm -hmm. not moving forward towards what really matters, if you're not taking small risks, if you're doing nothing. You're um, paralyzed, right? You're paralyzed. Yeah. It's the analysis paralysis thing Mm -hmm. that we talk about sometimes, but but the way you know is if you're in an action. And the problem here is inaction leads to regret. If you talk to the most successful, the most confident, the people at the later stages of their life and ask them about the things they regret the most, they'll m- most often tell you about the things they didn't do, the dreams they didn't chase, the conversations they didn't have, the forgiveness they didn't give. It's the stuff we don't do we regret most. And so that's where overthinking becomes very problematic as it relates to us trusting ourselves is because we're all in our minds and we're doing nothing. We're not moving towards whatever it is we believe want or, or what matters. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. That's good. Uh, you say a confidence derailer is comparison and judgment. We talked about that a little bit ago, but um, 
you say a confidence builder is actually choosing confidence, which sounds funny, but talk about that for a moment. How do we move from that comparison and that judgment to choosing confidence? Sure. So, um, and I know we agree on this completely, this comparison and judgment thing that we do is so unfair because we are often comparing our normal everyday lives to somebody else's highlight reel, right? So if you think about it on social media, what we see are somebody's best moments. What we see are what people want us to see. And then we have the audacity to compare our regular everyday normal lives to that. And, And of course, inevitably we fall up, we fall short. Another way we compare ourselves, though, is um, to other people to make ourselves feel better, right? Like, um, you know, at least I'm not in the situation this person is, or at least I'm not as whatever as this person. Um, And that may seem like it would make you feel better, but it's actually a confidence derailer either way. Any way you slice it, confidence is not needing to compare yourself to anyone at all. So again, if we think of confidence in the frame of trusting ourselves, what does what other people are are doing or saying or not doing or saying matter? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I put it as the antidote choosing confidence because it's something we can do quickly. And I think we can fall in the judgment and comparison trap really easily, especially in today's day and age with social media. It's like mm-hmm. seconds, right? And Mm -hmm. so I wanted the antidote to be something like quick, like a second thing. And so it's just the choosing of confidence. I'm going to choose to trust myself in this moment. I'm going to choose to trust that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to choose to trust that this will all work for good. I'm going to choose whatever it it is, but you get to choose confidence in those moments. Mm -hmm. And and, a subliminal message is basically to choose not to compare yourself. Mm -hmm. in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say that um, we are always comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And so one of the statements I uh, say, and I I share about this in my Better Together book, which is a book on women's friendships, um, say to yourself in those moments, even she has a backstory I don't know. And in that moment, it what it does is it reminds you that she has pain in her life. She has this, whether you're judging her, whether you're judging yourself because you're looking at her or whether you're judging her. I mean, we do both. Let's yeah. be honest, right? Yep. We, we judge ourselves and we judge others. And, um, and so just that reminder, she has a backstory. I don't know. And that like pulls us back from that ledge of comparison, plants us on the firm foundation of reality. And I think the way you said it in the book is she's human. She mm-hmm. is human. And we forget that human side. Yeah. Um, I love that frame that language. Um, Jill, that's incredible. We all have backstories. We don't know. We all have current stories. We don't know, you know, that's true. It's really interesting when you observe something from the outside. And I know you pride yourself on this too. I'm a very honest, direct communicator. I'm happy to tell people the real deal and what's really going on. But even then, you know, unless you're listening or paying attention or have access, you don't know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think sharing our insides, you know, you don't have to shout it from the rooftop, but sharing them is really powerful and it helps. You know, one of my first Facebook posts that went viral, and this happened several years ago, is a, uh, I was in between, um, I was in between speaking trips and it was so bad. Like I would come home, open up my suitcase, take out what I needed, open up another suitcase, put stuff in there, pack again. And by the end of the week, I think I had three suitcases laying in my bedroom. I had clothes everywhere. It was nuts. Like it, it was bad. I like, where, where's the bed, you know, like I don't even know where things are in my room. And, um, and I, I can handle that for so long. And then I I'm like, okay, I have to take care of this. And so I was I was standing in my bedroom. I believe it was on a Wednesday evening. I knew the weekend was coming. I was home for the weekend. I was like, okay, this weekend I am like declaring war on my bedroom. And then I thought, I'm going to take a picture of it and I'm going to post it on Facebook. And for a half a second, okay, I was like, 
I can't do that. And then I was like, I can do that. And, you know, I did the whole, I, I almost overthought it. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to take some action. And I put it out there. And all I said was, this is my current reality. What's yours? And oh my gosh, Nicole, it went viral. Women yeah. were taking pictures of the condition of their kitchen sink, their kitchen counters, their kids' bedrooms, the their cars. I mean, it was like their worst place in their house. They were snapping a picture of, and I made it safe for them to do that. So I think that's so important for us to even stop, help women, you know, help others stop the comparison and the judgment by sharing some of our insights more frequently. Yeah. One of the most downloaded episodes of my podcast is one titled failure in which I share a very real, very current failure. So like, I think a lot of times we hear about people's failures with the benefit of hindsight. So Mm -hmm. they'll tell you about this really hard time they had and how they overcame it. And I wanted to do, and we almost didn't release it, but I, I wanted to do an episode of when I was in it, like where I'm like, I don't know how or when, or if this is going to work out at this moment, this is just the deal. And this is what I'm experiencing. And this is what I'm telling myself. Yeah. Um, and to your point, I think it was, it's one of the most downloaded episodes because it was real. It was, it was in the moment. People were like, oh, thank goodness. Right. Thank yes. I, I'm not alone. Other people are feeling this. Other people are experiencing this. So. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And then the last one you have, that's a confidence derailer is seeking confidence externally. And the confidence builder is building confidence internally, which ultimately this is why your book is called Validation is for Parking, (laughs) because we're trying to make ourselves feel good from external validation and seeking that externally. And it's not, it's internal. Right. Right. Yeah. The title is a little like me. It's a little snarky, right? Um, But I really did want to send that message home. I mean, that's the crux of what I call the confidence con, this idea that our confidence is out there, that someone or something is walking around with it. And it's our jobs to both find them and then convince them to give it to us. And (laughs) it just doesn't work that way. Uh, I call this the false equation. If X happens, then I'll feel confident. If I get validated, if I get a certain amount of likes on social media, if I, you know, get a certain level of income, if I've perfectly behaved children, if I fit into a certain size or see a certain number on the scale, then I'll feel confident. You can replace X with anything you want. The problem is with that formula is if you get X, you may feel temporarily happy or euphoric or whatever, but that feeling will quickly go away and then you end up needing more of X and you yes. end up being addicted and you're just chasing X all day long. And that is obviously the opposite of what confidence looks and feels like if you think about it logically. Yet so many of us, if you buy this product, then you'll feel confident. Um, and I, I think part of the problem is the word confidence is being overused and misused, right? So if you buy mm-hmm. this product, you might feel younger or you might look younger, or you might feel attractive or successful or whatever. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those things. It's just not confidence. Right. Um, and so I want to redirect the reader to basically let go of the external everything, mm-hmm. including validation and go internal and, and build trust where it's meant to be built which is from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And embrace who you are. Um, as you said, let go of who you are not and um, embrace all of that, both yeah. parts of it. I love it. Yeah. So, so you said something earlier in our conversation that I wanted to circle back because I think please. it's really important. Research shows that little girls and little boys have about the same level of confidence until they reach somewhere between age seven and nine. My daughter is nine years old and I'm literally witnessing this. And then we sort of see it it, it, it break apart. And so if you think mm-hmm. about formative years, teenage years, if you think about entering the workforce for so many women, we're entering with less confidence than our male counterparts. And, and there are so many reasons why that is. But what's interesting is in our 50s, 
we see it come back together again, where women and men have about the same level of confidence. And then in our 60s, women actually increase confidence more than their male counterparts. And so I'm 46 years old. I'm definitely experiencing that, how I get closer. And and a lot of it has to do with the work that I do. But even still, I talk to women in their 40s and their 50s, and they're all saying the same things. I care less about what other people think. I'm more connected to who I am and what matters. I know myself better. I appreciate myself more. I'm taking better care of myself. Whatever the case may be, I, I we're this is not a, a, a me thing or a you thing. This is really happening for the general population of women uh, mm-hmm. in the world. And so it's just something to be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, and isn't it interesting that in their 60s that it ex- that women exceed men in their confidence level? And my guess is, I don't know the reasons why I've not read the research, but my guess is some of that has to do with men experiencing confidence in the workplace, then they retire and they... Yes they kind of lose themselves like they, yeah. they've they've known who they are in that environment yes in that context and 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 what i mentioned it a little bit with perfectionism you know men tend to compartmentalize a little bit more and and we see that as it relates to confidence because uh who they know themselves to be in in the ways in which they've demonstrated and built trust in their life you know adjusts, it changes it as they um, retire and, and move on to a different phase of life. And so, yeah, that's a, a big component as to why we see that. Yeah. And, you know, um, what I think is also important when we're talking about it, building confidence internally uh, for my audience, that's a faith-based audience. Most of the time, it's also knowing who God says that you are. That's really super important. And if that's a place that you struggle with, for those of you that are listening, um, I have a really neat little, um, it's a, a wallpaper for your phone um, that is, uh, my daughter designed it and it's real pretty in it, but it just says, I am, and then it's who God says that you are. I am enough. I am beautiful. I am, you know, it's just, um, I am uh, created. Yes. Loved. Exactly. All of those things. So sometimes we need um, to begin to replace those messages as we were talking earlier, the head trash. We have to replace that with truth. And sometimes it's just something simple and small like that that can help us begin that process. So um, if you want that, I'll make sure and put a link uh, to where you can get that free um, in our um, in our show notes as well, that free wallpaper for your phone. So, oh, Nicole, this has been such a good conversation. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. I so appreciate it. I know, um, and I, I'm sure you're going to mention this, but if anybody is looking for my book, I know uh, um, my style might not <laughs> be... So my my ask, and from a loving place, is if the messenger is not the right fit for you, ignore the messenger and, and try to pull out the message that that yeah. does speak to you. I say that in the book. That's a that's a great way to put it. Throw out the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for my regular listeners, um, Nicole's a straight shooter, and she doesn't necessarily come at things from a faith perspective. Um, her language is a little salty in the book. Um, her language is a little salty on her podcast. Um, so, um, you know, just uh, because that is so different from most of the people I chat with, I think it's really important that uh, we offer that info to you. Um, but, you know, we can learn from people who have different values than us. Um, we need to have more intentional conversations with people who dif- do th- things differently than we do. And it's obvious that... Um, while we may come at it from different angles, uh, Nicole and I are kindred spirits in helping women kick the perfection infection out of their lives. And I love that. Jill, thank you for being open to having this conversation, knowing we're coming from different angles, but also um, recognizing the the commonality and where we do, I think, have shared passion and, and beliefs and values. So uh, I am grateful to you for yeah. inviting me on. Ah, no. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to have the conversation. So what 
Nicole, is there any final word of encouragement that you would love to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I would say a loving reminder that you're the only you there ever was or ever will be. And that is not an accident. Um, You know, I know I've read the Bible cover to cover and I um, I, I, I have so much appreciation. And, and, And if you believe, as I believe that you're created in God's image, then that means you have value, you have purpose, and there is everything you need already inside you to be able to trust yourself or or trust the God that lives within. Mm. Um, And so I hope in the hard times, you tell yourself that versus all the other things your brain will want to tell you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, we usually close our episodes out with prayer. I'd love to pray for, give me just a second here and let's uh, pray for our listeners. Father, we're just so thankful for this conversation. Um, We just pray that you would help us to throw out the head trash, the places that are holding us back from being who we, who you've created us to be and that you would help us to embrace who we are, who we're not and to find uh, an acceptance and a confidence um, in both of those. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.